Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode on EatWise. I'm Sammy, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here. Whether this is your first week or you listened to my first one last week, I'm so excited you're here. This week, we get the pleasure of talking with Todd Brown, who is the head baseball coach at North Dakota State University in Fargo, North Dakota. Todd is a great friend of mine. We worked together for two and a half years, and I never got the pleasure of hearing his whole story. Sure, you can go online and read anybody's bio for whatever it may be, but that doesn't capture everything, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, all the stuff that led him to where they are today. And I think that's the most important of any story. Back in quarantine, I had texted my friend Janet Brown, who was actually one of my preceptors when I was going through school. I asked her if she wanted to get together and have wine, and she actually invited me over for dinner, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because during quarantine, it was so hard. It's hard to be away from people, especially when we are meant to be with people. So I went over to Janet and Todd's house, talked to him a little bit about what I was doing, and then I had this brilliant idea of asking Todd to be on my podcast. And thankfully, he said yes, but he also told me he wanted to be my first podcast. And the reason is because in T-Ball, when you're bringing snacks as a parent, the first week is totally acceptable to bring carrot sticks and juice boxes. And then by the end of the season, parents are bringing Happy Meals and strippers. But since it was my first podcast interview, Todd wanted to be my first so that he could be the carrot sticks and juice box. And I honestly think he blew his interview and his story far out of the waters and set the bar a little bit higher. So I am so excited. We're going to hear from Todd and we're going to get going. So Todd, kind of tell me about your journey, how you got to where you are today. Well, it was interesting. Uh, I'm a military brat, so I've moved all over. And in eighth grade, I settled into Tucson, Arizona. Really just kind of had a passion for sports and baseball in particular. And was fortunate to get an opportunity to play at the University of Arizona. Had a great five years there. Won a Pac-12, Pac-10 at that time championship. And ended up signing with the Cleveland Indians after graduation. And got released just like a lot of people do. And gosh, you know, it took me a couple couple months of just kind of, you know, walking around, feeling sorry for yourself. And I was actually at the mall. This is kind of an interesting story. So I was at the mall, feeling sorry for myself right after Christmas, don't know what to do, run into my high school chemistry teacher who was at that time switched to be a counselor. He says, you need to get into coaching and teaching come see me on Monday. Okay. So I went out and saw him on Monday morning, January something, and I started Tuesday. And 10 and a half years after that meeting in the mall, I became a division one head coach. Wow. So where did you start coaching? What level? High school. Okay. Um, you know, that, that meeting we got through New Year's and a couple of days later I met him and the next day I started. And then I became, and it was the high school obviously that, that I went to. So I knew a lot of the teachers, knew a lot of the administrators and did not know the baseball coach very well. 
he brought me on as an assistant coach. I coached two years of high school, and we had three guys play in the major leagues eventually. Wow. It was a, we won a state championship. It was a really good team, really good program. Um, I think we had nine guys that went on and played college and professionally. Three of them made the major leagues, like I said. And so that kind of parlayed into becoming an assistant coach at the University of Arizona for a couple years, which parlayed into moving to Bowling Green State University, becoming a, the top assistant uh, pitching coach recruiting coordinator. And again, when we went there, it was just my wife and I, Janet, and we moved, no kids. And we thought, well, we'll be there a couple years and then eventually come back. Eight, eight years later, uh, a dog, uh, two kids, and we were still there and before getting the job at North Dakota State as the head coach. So it kind of just, it just kind of lined up and kind of, you kept grinding away and kept moving up the ladder. Is kind of how it all started, all by running into my high school chemistry teacher in the mall. That's cool. Yeah. It's crazy how things happen. So what did you think when you were coming from Bowling Green to NDSU? Well, it was, you know, I've been working my way up and now it's my shot and don't screw it up. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically, um, you know, as an assistant, you know everything, you know, and when you're the head coach, now it's your job to win or keep people eligible or to recruit everything that comes down through your program lands at the head coach's feet and as an assistant it's easy to when you when you don't have that responsibility it's really easy to look back and say oh I would have done it this way or be the Monday morning quarterback and so I knew from my years of experience that you know it's always easy being in the other chair than than the head chair so I knew it was a great responsibility and it was my one shot. And if I didn't do a good job of it, I was either going to be let go or fired or eventually um, my career might come to a standstill because um, I lost my job or didn't do a good job. So I knew this was my one shot to continue my career and it was, it was really difficult. Um, my first three years at North Coast State was extremely difficult because the where the program was is transitioning from d2 to d1 and there was a lot of roadblocks that were uh, already set up that were very difficult to get past and once we got past them it became a really good program so how long have you been at ndsu just finished my 13th year so I don't know if I should say 13 or 12 and a half because, it was, <laughs> because of COVID-19, we only got 17 games in. But just finished my 13th year um, and have some really good assistant coaches that are great, loyal guys and um, obviously some really good players that both on and off the field, I'm really proud of them. So what went through your head when this whole COVID pandemic hit and your season got cut short? It was really difficult. We went from Hawaii to Northern California to Florida to Minneapolis to Northern Colorado. We had 17 games in five time zones um, in four weeks. 
and then it just came to a stop. And really, it nobody knew how to react. In fact, it took a couple of days to realize our season's over with because you get such an, um, a mode month by month um, of playing baseball and traveling and competing, and all of a sudden it just comes to a stop. None of us knew what to do. Um, it was It was one of those things that you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, this isn't happening. And you can't believe that your season is done. Um, So, you know, it was a very difficult team meeting with those guys on March 13th, Friday, March 13th, to tell them that our season was done and turn in equipment. And, um, but it was also scary time because at that time we, we had no idea what was going on with the virus and how it could affect you. And, there was just little information. So obviously we've learned a lot since then, but our guys all dispersed. And to be honest with you, I haven't seen hardly any of them since March 13th, which is extremely weird this time of year. Yeah, that is kind of crazy yeah. and odd. Um, do you remember where you were when you heard the news that the season was cut down in the atmosphere? Well, if you if you look at those days on Wednesday night, I was sitting here on the couch. We had an early practice, um, and I was sitting on the couch, and that's when the NBA game, right before tip off, they canceled the NBA game, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's bad news." When you have a multi billion dollar organization like the NBA and they're shutting down games, I said, "This is gonna this is gonna be bad." The next day, we were supposed to leave to Omaha on an 11-day trip. And I just didn't have a good feeling that we were actually going to get on the bus and go because of what I saw Wednesday night. And then they canceled. The, I was walking in the, uh, the office there at the shack, and they canceled the College World Series. And so you're like, well, we're going to Omaha in three hours, but there's no World Series. That didn't line up. And then the next day, Friday the 13th, uh, is when they actually summitly canceled our season. So it was almost in reverse. It was like the NBA shut down, the College World Series shuts down, March Madness shuts down, and then the Summit League finally calls our season. So it was like three days of you would prepare, and 15 minutes later, everything you prepared for was completely thrown out the window because circumstance changed. And I've never seen anything like it in my 24 years of coaching that every day, every hour was just changing at a rapid pace that you couldn't keep up. Crazy. Kind of switching gears, what's been the hardest part of your career in getting you to where you are today? Boy, it's, it's really, it's very difficult to move up. For one, it's hard to get into this profession. You have 300 around 300 teams that play Division I baseball and only three full-time staff members per NCAA rules per team. So there's just not very many jobs. And every, everybody wants to get into it that's in the coaching world. High school coaches want to get in, junior college coaches, and then everybody that gets released from professional baseball wants to get into college coaching. And it's, it's just very, very difficult to move up it's very difficult to um, get a job in this business and the the biggest struggle is you know it, it was getting into it 
and fortunately I've kind of moved up the ladder, but probably the most difficult thing is just getting in for most people. And most people don't realize that, you know, I had to become a volunteer. So I was a volunteer for a couple years before I got into it, which means that you're working for no money and long hours in, in order to hopefully get a job that pays. And then you move up the ladder that way. But I'd say the most difficult thing is just the lack of jobs out there. And it's very difficult to get in. So what would your advice be to somebody who is wanting to kind of climb the ranks? Boy, it's, it's a tough road. Um, don't expect to, I guess, be at the top very quickly. Um, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that is going to go into early into your career. And the pay is bad and the hours are long. But if you have a passion for it, you'll... you'll you'll advance simply because that's what kids are looking for. They don't care um, about anything other than if somebody can help them, that's who they want to work with. That's the number one, you know, male, female, what's your playing experience? It doesn't matter if you can help athletes, they will listen. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is it doesn't matter anything other than kids just want to get better. And if you have that passion, you'll be just fine. So you'd say it was worth it? It is worth <laughs> it, yeah. It's so far, knock on wood, so far so good. Do you have an example of one of your most rewarding times? At North Dakota State, I tell you, the, the first three years was extremely difficult. We had 4.6 scholarships, which is one-third of the allowable amount. So we were a third funded our team travel funding was bad, um, which causes us not to have much depth. We had some good players, but our depth wasn't there to be able to compete. And for three years, we built and built and built. And then finally, when those guys, our first recruiting class became seniors, um, to go on and set a school record for 40 wins was probably the most satisfying to go when we recruited them we were averaging 12 wins per year and when those guys became seniors they won 40 which i'm not sure will ever be broken that was probably uh that defining moment moment that all the pain that we went through for three years was worth it that's cool yep so where would you say that there's like a missing it's like as far as nutrition with your players what do you think they need most? What would most benefit them? Structure, schedule, and because we're on the road for nine straight weeks to start the season, it's very difficult to implement good habits, good sleep habits, good eating habits, even good practice habits. Um, and then you throw their academics on top of it. That's probably what baseball players crave the most is having a structure on a day in and day out and those first nine weeks there is no structure because it's you know the plane's delayed the bus is this we have bad weather so the bus is taking twice as long to get where we're supposed to get i mean we'll be we'll go a thousand miles one way on a bus wow and we'll leave at midnight and we'll check into the hotel the next day at 3 p.m go practice and go to bed at 7 8 at night play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
and bus all night Sunday night into Monday morning and do it again Wednesday night. So the structure is very difficult for them to get good sleeping habits, good eating habits, and you have to be disciplined. That's ultimately with your body and your academics, um, you have to be disciplined. Yeah, and sleeping on a bus, that's gotta be hard. Very difficult. So what is their favorite place to stop and eat at when you're on the road? Um, I think uh, Chipotle or Qdoba. Those guys, they'll eat two of those things. Those two two burritos. Yeah. I mean, I struggle to finish one, <laughs> and those guys will eat two. It, it's the it's amazing to watch our kids eat. Um, the other big stop that we have, it's kind of been our tradition since I've been in coaching, and it started kind of at Bowling Green with their with there is going to all you can eat buffets. Oh, yeah. And. So we'll go in a golden corral. We'll we'll give them a two hour heads up that hey we've got a team of thirty five coming in, and we'll go in there and we'll wipe that thing out. And they're charging us ten eleven dollars a person, and those guys are eating thirty dollars <laughs> worth of food. It seems like they'll have plates that are just mounded up, stuff falling off, and they'll eat three or four of those plates. And so that's kind of been our tradition. Um, usually. After busing all night, we'll get into town. On Thursday, we'll have a practice, and then that night we'll go to a buffet and clear that thing out and then go to bed and get ready for the weekend. <laughs> but when you were their age, were you eating just as much food as they were? No. I, um, it seems like guys are bigger, stronger, faster than when I was their age. Strength training has a lot to do with it. Um, Obviously, nutrition and sports nutrition has kind of taken over. Um, there's just more information now. You know, back when I, w the first time I ever lifted weights was really when I became a freshman in, in college. Now these guys start lifting at 12, 13, 14 years old in high school. Um, so, and body types are different. Our guys are bigger than a lot of guys when I was playing. Um, they're more advanced and some of that is specialization some of it is uh, the strength programs and and there's just more information out there for these guys to get better that makes sense so you're married to a dietitian yep how does that affect your eating habits and when she comes on the road with you what is that does that change anything not really um, you know Janet is not I mean, you would never know being at home. You know, she doesn't force anybody to eat a certain way. For me, it really, the probably the thing that I've learned the most from her is it's all portion size and exercising. And, you know, our kids have um, the opportunities, you know, of, of eating dinner, especially during the COVID-19. We've had more family meals in the springtime than ever before is, you know, having a good balanced meal with some vegetables at every sitting along with your chicken and you know what whatever it might be that night but just having a a good balanced meal and eating three times a day is probably the things that we are very consistent around our house do you think for say a college athlete and baseball player specifically do you think three meals a day is enough or do you think they need to eat more they'll eat more those guys are <laughs> Um, 
the, when you get into their meal plans, you know, all you can eat, they can go in and out of the dining hall as, as much as they want. Those guys, a lot of times those guys are going in there at least four or five times a day because they're just burning so many calories. That, and those guys are between practices and lifting and, and just being their age, their metabolism is incredible of how much calories that those guys can can bring in their body on a daily basis and, and burn through it pretty quick. Yeah, crazy, cool. Um, so what, so we'll kind of wrap it up. So what is one thing that you've learned during this weird time of not really having a season? I think probably the number one thing is we, myself and our players, we know we love baseball, but take, having it taken away for the last 10 weeks, whatever it's been, and it's beautiful weather out, and this is the time since I've been five years old, I've always been in a uniform since I've been four or five years old, and not being in a uniform, you realize how much you really miss it. Of, it's, And it's more of... You miss the competition, you miss the playing against other teams, and you miss the travel, but you really just miss being a part of a group that you see every day. Uh, the time on the bus or the airports or you know whatever it might be, you really miss those times of being together with a team that's trying to accomplish goals together. It, the camaraderie is something that you don't realize you really need in your life. What do you think it'll be like when you all get together for the first time again? Our, our guys will be pretty excited. <laughs> um, you know, we're a little worried about their baseball getting too rusty. So, you know, we're going to have a plan this summer to get them back into shape to get ready for fall. Because fall is going to be a critical for us to make up for some lost time. But um, knowing our guys, they're it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun that first team meeting where everybody's in the back in the same room together because um, those guys it's like a brotherhood that they really miss each other yeah cool awesome well thanks for sharing your story and kind of giving some advice and some insight and yeah thank you yeah thanks for having me All right, guys, we just heard Coach Brown's story, and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. I cannot wait for the team to be reunited. And if this is you and you're heading back for summer training, I'm excited for you guys, too. This time where we were all apart was just weird and awkward. And there's nothing better than being together as a team and the camaraderie that Coach Brown talked about. So big thank you to Todd. He set the bar really high, higher than just carrot sticks and juice boxes and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Coach Brown talked about so many points that related to life and nutrition and strength and conditioning. Granted he's a coach for baseball but this goes for all sports so regardless on if you play baseball or softball or basketball or volleyball or you have a track event whatever your sport may be fueling your body is key to how you'll perform and recover. So schedules can get tricky, whether you're in season or you're out of season. If you're in season, you might have to be a little bit more flexible, but making sure that you bring snacks with you can help make sure that you're fueling your body. So if you're on a bus and it's taking a little bit longer to get to wherever you're going, maybe because you're coming from North Dakota and roads 
are not always great, or your flight gets delayed, you have snacks and you aren't reliant on vending machines or fast food places that are in airports. So snacks, you could put in your backpack, you could put in your travel bag, you could put it in both. So making sure that you're covered could be a key point to your athletic career. So snacks could be anything from trail mix, a bar, like a cliff bar or a kind bar, to peanut butter and jelly sandwich, to pretzels, to jerky or veggie sticks. Uh, You can even put fresh fruit in your bag. Just don't forget it in there. So those are some suggestions to help make sure that you're fueling your body, especially when you're on the road. So friends, today we heard about Todd Brown's story and I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. He touched on so many points on life and food. So big thank you to Todd and his carrot sticks and juice box episode. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode on EatWise. If you've not followed me on Instagram or Facebook, I very much welcome and invite you to at EatWiseRD or you can go to my website at eatwiserd.com. Thanks guys for tuning in. I'm going to have a little blurb about Anchor, which is the app that I'm using, and then we will talk about next week's episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we will talk to Skylar and Dexter from Thunder Coffee in West Fargo, North Dakota. We will hear all about their story as they started off as a coffee cart they bought from Vanity in the Mall as they were going out of business to having their current brick and mortar store off of Cheyenne Street. Guys, they just turned three years old and I'm so excited to share their story. So thanks for listening to this week's episode and we'll see you next week.